This week's parsha is Parshas Nayach. And the Torah in this week's parsha starts off giving a very great praise to Nayach. The Torah says, these are the Toldos of Nayach. And then it starts describing the great attributes that Nayach possessed. He was an Ish Tzadik. He was a Tamim Hayabedai Raisov. Esalikimis Halech Nayach. Tremendous praise that the Torah lavishes on Nayach. This is the Torah speaking. This isn't just, you know, a person speaking, you know, in, a, in an exaggerated way about another person. This is the Rabbeinu Shalom in the Torah giving the greatest praises to this individual called Nayach. And in fact, Rashi brings that there is somewhat of a debate about really what the intention of the Torah was in this Pasuk. Yeshmer Abayseinu, there are of our Chazal that are darshin Meisr L'Shvach, that are darshing this Pasuk, that he was a tzaddik, tamim, hayabedai raisav, as a gewaldiga praise of Nayach. Nayach was such a great man in this dar that everyone around him was so decadent and so evil and so corrupt. So could you imagine how great Nayach would have been if he would be in a generation that were tzaddikim? That's one way of looking at it. But Dairaisov in his generation was a tzaddik. Imagine how amazing you would be in an even greater generation. If a person, let's say, would live, you know, in a certain place that's not so good, and he's still a shtaiging and he's a tamachacham and he's gewaldig. Imagine how great this person would be if he would live in a place that was all full of tamidikacham. He'd be really even greater. That's the simple understanding of the pasuk. But Rashi says, the yesh, there are others, shadarshim that say there's something deficient about Nayak that if you look carefully in the Pasuk, you'll take note of that he was a Tamim. he was a Tzadik. In that generation, relative to the people around him, he was great. He was a tzaddik in that place that he was at that time in the world's history because it wasn't really so, so difficult to be a tzaddik then. All you had to do was be a little better than the guy next to you who was robbing and who was committing adultery and who was doing all types of other avidizaris and terrible things. So if I wasn't doing that, I'm a tzaddik. But if you'd be in the generation of Avram Avinu, Nayach would, would be a blip on the radar screen. He would be nothing. He wouldn't even, you wouldn't even like, take note of such a person. Because Avram Avinu, the giant, was walking the earth. He was a tzaddik. Nayach would be nothing compared to Avram Avinu. Yeah, Nayach was a tzaddik in relative terms for the generation that he was found in. But if he was in a different dar, not the Dairaisav, he wouldn't be considered anything. There's a story that's told that the great Hasidic master, Rabbunim Ipshischa, 
Reb Simcha Bunamipshitzka was one of the great rabbis, the great Hasidic rabbis. And the story, I saw it in a safer, and I might have, I didn't fully understand the story, to be honest with you, just in terms of what the safer meant. But it seems that he was, it was Shabbos Parshas Nayak, it was this Shabbos in Pshischa, and Reb Simcha Bunim had a guest for Shabbos. A very big tzaddik came to visit. And I'm not sure from the way the story was written if the tzaddik was just a great tzaddik or if he was like a Gilgal of Nayak that came to visit Reb Simcha Bunim. It wasn't clear from the way the story was written. But in any event, Reb Simcha Bunim says to this Yid, this tzaddik that came to his city to spend Shabbos, Reb Nayak, he said to him, sit down, sit at the head of the table. And this person sat down. Reb Nayak, be mechabed us with Dibre Tayra. So this Yid, by the name of Reb Nayak, he said the following verse. He said, who has the chutzpah to say such a thing? To be Dirish, the Pasuk would deny? The Torah itself is very clear. You have to have a pretty, you know, twisted mind to take such a beautiful Pasuk about Nayak and to decipher it in such a negative way. Could you imagine if the Torah would say about any of us that you're a tzaddik, I'd be so happy. It would be the biggest compliment. It would be so flattering. But yet there's one naysayer who says, no, 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 it's not a compliment for Nayak. It's, it's Gnai. Gnai? Why would you say that? Like, where do you, you know, who would possibly say such a thing? And this Yid, who Bunim called Reb Nayak, said, I'll tell you the answer. The answer is, you know who Darshan, this word, it wasn't a debate in the yeshiva. It wasn't a debate amongst Tanoim or Amairoim. It wasn't a debate amongst Rabbi Seinu. Rabbi Seinu, Darshan, it, Lishvach. That's how Rashi starts. Yesh, Rabbi Seinu, Shadarshan, it, Lishvach. The Yesh, there is an individual who didn't want to listen to that chat, and he and you know who that was? Nayach himself. Nayach himself wasn't Rabbi Sein, it was Yesh. It was Nayach himself that chose to not accept that shot of Rabbi Seinu. He said, no, 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 that's not how I look at it. You could darshan the Shabbat all you want, but me... I know better. I know that when the Torah is heaping praise on me, that I'm such a tzaddik, I'm a tamim, b'dayraisav, yeah, you know what the Torah meant, b'dayraisav, he was a tzaddik. But if I would be in the generation of Avraham Amido, I'd be a complete ephes. Be zero. I wouldn't be nechshav l'chlom. Now, I don't know if this was Nayach himself who came to Rabunim and said this part, or was a yid by the name of Reb Nayak, or if his name was something else, and Reb Simcha Bunim was just merely calling him, I'll shame the Shabbos that he came. But I think there's a lot of Musr to be learned over here from this chat. Because what you see from this is that when somebody praises you, when somebody heaps praise on you, 
as flattering as it may be, and it's important to feel good about yourself and to, when somebody says something nice about you, to say thank you and to somewhat feel a little good about yourself. But there's also a part of you, if you were a Balmusser, that would say, no, I know better. I fooled this person. This person thinks I'm a tzaddik, but I know better. That's a very, very important insight in life. That when somebody's saying something nice to you, as good as it may make you feel, and it's important to feel good in life, but a person should instinctively react with a feeling like, yes, but it's not really true. Because if you allow people to speak things about you that are too praiseworthy, too full of praise, then it's going to go to your head and you're going to get high on the praise and you're not going to really be based in reality anymore. If somebody comes over to you and says, or you know that somebody's saying about you, that you're a Bucky and Shas. So obviously it feels good, I'm a Bucky, but in a way it's like, uh-uh, I'm no Bucky and Shas. So I have to understand that by people saying that, it's wrong. And I can't allow that to just stay. I have to be Darish of Ignite. I have to deflate that balloon a little bit and to make sure that it doesn't begin to go to my head because you know what happens eventually? I'll be, believe that I'm a Bucky and Shas. I'll believe that I'm a big Tzadik even though I know that I'm really not. And that's part of what a human being always has to do. You have to feel good a little bit but then you have to sort of deflect the praise and say, it's not true. I know that I have so much more to do. I have so much more to accomplish. And it's nice that you said that about me, but let's be real. You know, Rabuna Mitzchitzcha himself used to say a famous quote, and I believe that maybe this quote comes from this story that we just said. Rabunim used to say as follows. He said that every Yid has to keep two pieces of paper, one in each pocket. On one piece of paper, it should be written, Bishvili Nivra that the whole world was created just for me. Just for me, that's a Chazal. On the other piece of paper, should be the words Vanoichi Afar Vaeker. I am nothing but dust and ashes. These seem to be two papers that are sicer each other. What am I? Am I nothing or am I, am I everything? Am I the greatest thing in the world? Am I the purpose that the world is spinning on its axis? Or am I Afar Vaeker? I'm not even I'm not even a worm. I'm nothing. Zakhtar Bunim, you have to believe both. You have to have both pieces of paper in your pocket at all times. And he says you have to know when to take out which paper. And what he means is that when people are saying terrible things about you, when people are hurting your feelings, when people say things that really are not nice, and we all have people that are detractors, people that sometimes shock us, people that sometimes, you know, just are simply plain not nice. 
and they're saying things about us that hurt. At that point, the person is supposed to take out a piece of paper from his pocket, the one that says, It's not true what he's saying. He doesn't know what he means. I am so good. I'm a fine person. I'm a good person. How dare he say anything negative about me? I'm a great person. And then there are times that people are saying such great things about us. And they're saying, you know, a person, let's say, at the juncture of his life that he goes into Shidduchim. So all of a sudden, you know, you speak to people, and I'm one of those people that, you know, are speaking about guys. On, uh, I'm a reference for many guys on their shidduch list, and people call me, and, I, and I'm speaking really highly about them. And sometimes, you know, you exaggerate. And at the end of the phone call, I believe that I have a kibeger in my yeshiva. The imamish begin to believe that like, this guy is the gainadar, tzadzik adar. He never, you know, did anything wrong in his life. And, you, you know, you could build it up. And a lot of times, boys know that people are saying great things about him, and they begin to believe it. It's okay if the girl believes it, but the boy, the boy himself has to remember that it's not true. I'm not that great in learning. I'm not such a tzaddik. I'm not such a masmid. I'm not such a lamdin. I don't have such Yerushalayim. I'm working on it. I'm growing. Baruch Hashem. But let's keep a reality check. Let's understand who we really are. Because if you don't keep it real, and you begin to drink the Kool-Aid, then you're going to be so bloated from all the praise that you'll begin to think it's true, and that's a very bad thing. Because it's not true. And it's not real. And then you're going to take shortcuts in life and think that you have a free pass to do things that you don't have because you think everyone thinks you're great. And I think the Rabunim got this, you say, maybe from this Rabnayah, who said that the shot is that Nayak himself, when people were heaping praise on me, that he's amazing, he's Gavaldic, if you'd be in the Dara of Abraham, he would really be on fire. Nayak says, please, give me a taiva. That's not the Dairaisa. The Dairaisa, I'd be in Abramavita's generation, I'd be nothing. Yeah, in this generation, you know, people think I'm really good and maybe relatively I, I'm okay. But in the generation of Abramavita, are you kidding me? I'm something in the generation of Abramavita, I'd be nothing. They wouldn't look at me then. And it's very important for everyone to go through life with these two papers in their pockets. Because you need both, and both are true, by the way. It's true that Bishvili Nivrailam, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did create the world for me, and it's also equally true that I am Upper Vaper. And the answer to the Sira is just it depends when. It's like, you know, the famous debate between the two great yeshivas in Europe. Slabotka and Navardik. Slabotka and Navardik were two like amazing yeshivas. Today we know about Slabotka more because Slabotka was, you know, the progenitor was the, the, the source of all 
the Rosh Hashivas came out of Slabotka that we have, Rav Aaron Kotler and Rav Shach and, uh, and Rav Ruderman and Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rav Hutner, they all came from this one little yeshiva. Slabotka wasn't, wasn't a huge, you know, Lakewood. Slabotka was a yeshiva probably the size of my house. If you see pictures of Slabotka, it's a little building. Like, you don't even know how all these Rosh Hashivas could fit in this building, let alone have such a, you know, have such growth and such, and, and such a future. But that was one great yeshiva, but there was an even greater network of yeshivas. That was, Slabatka was one little yeshiva. Navardik was a yeshiva that had a network throughout Russia and throughout Eastern Europe of dozens of yeshivas, dozens of institutions, all stemming from the altar for Navardik. Navardik's approach and Slabatka's approach were diametrically opposite. Nevardik's approach was what? I'm nothing. I am a complete zero. That was the approach of Nevardik. That was the Muslim approach. Tear a person to shreds. Make a person believe that he doesn't belong on this earth. He has no schusim in this world. And he has no right to be here. And he's nothing. He's lower than a snail. That's Nevardik. There's a famous joke that's told about Nevardik by Muslim say there. They used to sit and they used to scream, Ich bin hagarnish, ich bin hagarnish, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, I'm vanaychi of ve'ether. And one day, there was a newsman, and a freshie comes in to the base medrash, and, you know, when in Rome, you do like the Romans, and he sees the entire base medrash screaming, Ich bin hagarnish, ich bin hagarnish. And he's okay. And he starts screaming, Ich bin hagarnish, ich bin hagarnish. And... And he keeps doing that. And there were like two old base medrash guys, you know, that were there for a good, you know, many years. And they've already been battle-hardened. And they, they look behind them and they see this little freshie, you know, screaming, I've been a garnish, I'm a nothing. And they start laughing. And one says to the other, ah, look who thinks he's a nothing. Look at that little kid, he thinks he's a nothing. That's Nevardik. Nevardik is, I've been a garnish. Sabotka was Godless Adam. The Altif and Sabotka, if you look through his safe, we have it in the back of the base medish, Arlatsafan. Arhatsafan, it was a safer that's comprised one year we did it in the Vad, one week after another week. It's all Godless Adam. From beginning to end, it's a fat safer, Godless Adam, Godless Adam, Godless in every parsha. How great man is, how man is greater than the angels, how a man could achieve anything that he sets his eyes on. How man could strive for the greatness of, of eternity. And the altar would inject in his Talmudim, you're not nothing. The whole world was created for you. You're everything. Man, man is a nothing. Man is is Man is from one end of the world to the other. He straddles the universe like a giant, every man. His neshama is enormous. His potential is, is limitless. Whatever we can dream of, we can accomplish. That's what man is. These were two schools of thought in the Musr move. They're both under the general umbrella of Musr. Diametrically opposite approaches. Anoichi Afar Be'ether is Nevardik. 
Bishvilina Bailam is Slavotka and Eilovail Devalikim Chayim. Both are true. Both yeshivas were very popular. The truth is that America and maybe the entire world today needs a Slabotka approach because we don't respond so well to the Anaythi offer of Aether. We don't like that. We like everybody, understandably, we like feeling good about ourselves. We need to be built up. We need to shine. We need to strive. We need to feel like we could do whatever we want, and that's great. Navardic probably wouldn't exist today. There was one remnant of Navardic that existed in the world, one Talmud of Navardic, and that was the Cycler. The Cycler was a Talmud of Navardic. He was the one, I'm not saying there weren't others, but he was the major Talmud that we had in our in the last fifty years from Navardic. And if you knew anything about the Cycler, he was pure Navardic. Everything was, you know, amoebas and shiftless and and no nonsense, no, you know, no pie in the sky. Everything was real. Everything was very, you know, there was learning and there was learning and there was Musa, there was Yerushamayim, there was Kedusha, there was Tara, and there was Hachna'ah. But both approaches are true. You can't say that one is right and one is wrong. They're both true. And sometimes, you know, a yid has to be a nevardika. When a person feels kaiva, he should put on his nevardika. And when a person feels shiftless, feels, oh, I'm so depressed, I'm so lonely, I'm so low, like, what am I already? Then you should put on your slabotka hat. And each are necessary to balance a person out. And when we see from Nayachid, when people were saying too much about him, when it was getting too... You know, too much praise? No, no, no. Let's, let's remember that we're not so great. If we were in a different generation, it would be nothing. Now, sometimes a person feels like, wow, in, in, in Lander College for Men, I am the biggest masmid and I am the biggest hamachachim. My Rebbe thinks I'm the best guy in yeshiva, and that's great. You know, go to Lakewood for a, for a day or two. See how good you feel then. Go to Panovich. You know, sit between a bunch of guys that are talking and learning that no kolat or kula. You know, that are harboring and learning Yom Malayla for the last 30, 40 years. And let them see how good you feel. See if you can still pat yourself on the back. But on the other hand, if a person thinks like that, then they're never going to accomplish anything. They're going to just be depressed. So then you should run back to Lander College and, and feel good about yourself again. And it's not a steer. A person has to keep a balance in life. Everything in life is a balance. One way is not wrong and one way is not right. They're both right at the right time. And they're both wrong if they're thought of at the wrong time. You need to feel good about yourself in life, no doubt. Everybody should shine. But on the other hand, when it gets too much, when the praise is like really getting to us and we think we're Aaron Cutler, okay, go to Lakewood, see how, see how much Aaron Cutler you are. It's very important to keep a balance in life. There's a Gemara in Nida, which I think is really this side. The Gemara Nida says on Daflamin Amadeus a fascinating Gemara about what happens with a teenage in his mother's stomach during the nine months of gestation when he's being formed, when the fetus is developing. So we know, all know part of the Gemara that a malach learns with him 
And then when he comes out, he gets that little, you know, nick above his lip, and that makes him forget all the Torah that he learned with the Malach. That's an old, famous Gemara. But what few people know is the next part of the Gemara. The next part of the Gemara is that when you're inside your mother's stomach, somebody, maybe the Rabbeinah Shalom, or maybe the Malach, is Mashpian Eisai. Every baby, every Jewish baby is made to take a Shvuah. What's the Shvuah? Tihit Tzadik. You should be a Tzadik. You have to swear. You have to manage, put your hands on a Chumash, I guess, and take a Shvuah inside your mother's stomach. I will be a Tzadik. Don't be a Rasha. And listen to what then you have to say, what they tell you. Even if everybody's telling you that you're a tzaddik, wherever you go, there are signs, tzaddik balayir. And every time that, you know, that people are talking about you, everybody's saying about you the most amazing compliments. He's steiging, and he's a tzaddik, and he's a tom, and he's a yerushamay, and he has, you know, he's mamish shakua and learning, and he's the biggest lamdin. If everybody's telling you that you're a tzaddik, even if the whole world is saying it, a person should look at himself in the mirror and say, no, 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 you're no tzaddik, you're a rasha. That means that even if you open up the ated or the amodiyah and you see in the gedolim section, there's your picture. And they're not saying rabbi, they're saying rav. You, know, you, have, to, you have to be medayik in the caption. Sometimes it says, you know, like, I'm not a rav, I'm a rabbi. If it will put my picture, Rabbi Moshe Bamberger with Rav Aaron Chapter. You know, it depends. You have to, it's like a whole, a whole chachma to how to, you know, how they term you. And let's say one day I open up and I graduated to rav. Now I'm rav Moshe Bamberger. Ooh, I made it. No. Even if the whole world is saying you're a tzaddik, you have to keep it real. Don't listen. Pull out that card from your packet that says, I'm not that good. I'm trying, of course, I'm trying. I'm not going to get depressed about it. But I know that what they're saying is not true. I know that I have such a long journey to go. Hopefully I'll get there someday, but I ain't there yet. Because once I get there, then there's really nowhere else to go. And that's not what you want from life. You want to always be striving for greatness and more. And if people are all convincing you you're a tzaddik, you think that's a nice thing, but it's a terrible thing. Sometimes it's much better when people criticize you than when people lavish praise on you. At least when they criticize you, you have a taste of reality a little bit. And you can learn a lot from criticism, even though it hurts and it stings. It's real. Praise, it's nice to hear, but it doesn't do much in the long term. It, it, it makes you actually suffer in the long term. There's a Gemara in Brachas and Avchavches and Abeyes. The truth is that I wanted to say over this Gemara um, by Ne'ila, by my Ne'ila Joshua, and 
Rabbi Shmulevitz told me right before I started speaking that that whatever, Mincha went a little bit over and I, I had a, a half an hour speech to give by Neil. I had to cut it down to 10 minutes. So I basically had to cut down, cut out like most of the speech. So this was, this was a shtickling. It's still like, I have to get it out. Okay, so that's what I'm doing now, but it really fits in a little bit also. But it's a Gavaldiga Gemara and it's a Gavaldiga Musa Haskell. The Gemara says that when Rabbi Eliezer got very sick, Nichnisu Talmidav Lavakre. So, I'm sorry, it wasn't Rabbi Eliezer, it was uh, when Rabbi Echanan got sick. When Rabbi Echanan ben Zakai got sick, Nichnisu Talmidav Lavakre. Kivan Shiroi Sam, when he saw his Talmidim come in to visit him, he was on his deathbed. Hischa Livkais, he started to cry. Amrulai Talmidav. So as Talmidim said to him, Ner Yisrael, Amoid Hayimini, the light of Yisrael, that's where the Yeshiva's Ne Yisrael gets its, got its name from, from this Gemara. Ner Yisrael, Amoid Hayimini, the great pillar, the right pillar. I think the Gros says, what's up, Shara Amoid Hayimini? What does it mean, the right pillar? So he says that when a Sefer Torah is rolled, um, to the he says when the Sefer Torah is at the end the Amayda Yimini the, the, right, the right side of the Sefer Torah is full at the end it's full right the, the right side the, side, the Beresha side of it is the fat side of it the Zaysabrocha is empty Amayda Yimini is like I think he meant that at the end of his life you're the Amayda Yimini you have Kolotara Kula by you Patish HaChazok, you great hammer, you strong hammer, you, you fight the fight. Mipnei Ma'ata Baicha, why are you crying? Amr Lahem, so he said to them, Ilu Lufnei Basar Vadam, Hayimaylichen Aisi, if they would take me in front of a Melech Basar Vadam, Shayayim Kanu Macha Bekeber, that king is mortal. Today he's here, tomorrow he's gone. Shem and if he gets angry at me, his anger won't be forever. and if he locks me up, it's also not going to be forever. and if he kills me, it's not forever. and I could get out of it by by being nice to him, by speaking nicely to him. I could bribe him. Wouldn't I be crying if I went in front of a king and he's judging me for life or for death? Now that I'm going before the king of kings, I'm about to die. I'm going to meet my maker. He's eternal. His anger will be eternal. And his imprisonment, my imprisonment will be forever. And my death will be forever. There's no using your silver tongue to get out of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's judgment. 
you know, in this world, we're very good at using our excuses. You know, if the teacher gives us a, a 70 on a test, we can give a bunch of stories to him and, you know, plead with him. And before you know it, we get it, you know, up to an 85. So we think, you know, with life, it's like that also. We'll go, we'll, we'll be 70 hidden. But we get up to Shemaim, I'll talk to God about it, I'll, I'll discuss it with him, I'll give him my storyline, and he'll buy into it, and he'll give me an 85. It ain't, it ain't like that. HaKadosh Baruch knows exactly what's going on. You can't fool him. You can't sweet-talk him. You can't use, you know, any finesse with him. He's, he knows everything. V'layoy. He says you can't be mishachidim with money. But I have two paths in front of me. I have a path of Gan Eden and I have a path of Gehenim. And I don't know which way I'm going. I don't know whether I'm going to Gan Eden or I'm going to Gehenim. And I shouldn't cry. What is Rabbi Yechem and Zakei talking about? Who are we talking about here? We're talking about Rabbi Yechem and Zakei. He was the Gadol Adar. Rabbi Yechem and Zakei was the Tzadik Adar. He was the Gadol Adar. He was the Gadol Batayr. Rabbi Yechem and Zakei was everything. He's afraid that he's going to Gehenna. He says that there's two paths in front of me. One is to Ganeidah and one is Gehenna. I don't know which way I'm going. Hello? Rabbi Yechem and Zakei didn't know that he's going to Ganeidah. What was worried? What was so worrying for Rabbi Yechem and Zakai? If he's worried, what should we say? How could Rabbi Yechem and Zakai not know that he's going to Ganeidim? What was his question? So Agav, this is really what I wanted to say by Ne'ilah, that Rabbi Yashubar Salavetchik says a beautiful pshat. He says that there is, you know Rabbi Yechem and Zakai was haunted by his whole life. He was haunted by a Gemara in Gittin on Daphnun Vav. The Gemara in Gittin says that Rabbi Yechem and Zakai was inside of the walls of Yerushalayim when the Romans were surrounding it. And we know the stories, we learned them on Tisha B'av about the Bar Yainim and how they were making all this trouble inside the walls. And they were, you know, and things didn't look so good. Rabbi Yechem and Zakai says, I got to get out of here. I can't stay within the walls of Yerushalayim. I got to go and save the people. So he elaborately snuck out. He was smuggled out of Yerushalayim. I think most of us know the story. And he gets to Vespasian. Aspasianus, Caesar, the, the great Roman general slash future emperor. At the time he wasn't yet the emperor, but he was about to be made the emperor. Rabbi and Zakai comes before him, and basically at the end of the story, the, the emperor of Aspasian, who just was coronated, he was just appointed as emperor at that time, a messenger came in and said, the emperor is dead, you're the new emperor. So in gratitude to Rabbi and Zakai for sort of giving him the heads up that he was going to be the emperor, he says, I'll give you a... I'll give you, a, I'll grant you three wishes. Whatever you want, you can ask for. So he asked for three things. He asked for, Give me the city of Yavne and the Chacham in Yavne. 
he said, give me, uh, get a doctor for a tzaddik. And he said that, um, he said that, uh, that the, um, he said some one other thing. Actually. Anyone remember what it was? What? Rebbe Gamliel. The chain of Rebbe Gamliel should be, should be, uh, should be kept. That was what he asked for. And the Gemara has big kindness on him. The Gemara says that he made a big mistake, Rabbi Yechem and Zakai. He should have gone for broke. He should have said, save Yerushalayim. Save the base on Mikdash. Get, out, get your troops out of Yerushalayim and save it. Why didn't he ask for that? And the Gemara explains that the Svarah, the Lumbus of Rabbi Yechem and Zakai was, he felt that that would be overreaching. That would be like too much. If he'd asked for that, he wouldn't get anything. So he said, listen, I, might, I, have to, you know, I have to lower a little bit the bar and get things that are doable that they might actually listen to me for and don't ask for something that's you know, too great because then I'll get nothing. That's what the Gemara says. Rabbi Yashubar says that this question hung over the mind and the, and the life of Rabbi Yechem and Zakai like a dark cloud. Who knows? Maybe I made a terrible mistake. Maybe I should have had to ask for your shalayim. Save your shalayim. Save the base on mikdash. Why do we have to go? We're still living with that decision till today. 2,000 years ago, it's because of Yechem and Zakai, maybe asked for the wrong thing. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the, the stress and the, the pressure? That was on Rabbi Yechimazaka at that moment in time, and then he said it. He said what he did. He had a obviously had a mahalach and saying what he said, but the rest of his life he was doubting himself. Maybe I made the wrong the wrong decision. Maybe I thought I should have asked Yerushalayim. Who knows? I could have saved Yerushalayim. I could have been the man that saved the base on Mikdash. And that's why. Even on the last day of his life, the Saif Yamab, when he was lying on his deathbed, he still was crying. And he still was saying, I don't know which way I'm going. Any idea, Be'ezah Derech, Anihayle. I don't know whether I'm going to Ganeiden or maybe I'm going to Gehenim. And that's a question that always remained. For maybe I messed up. And just in the context of what we're talking about today, I think that there's another element at play. is saying that I might, I think I might be going to Gehenna. It's not so much maybe the doubts about the Gemara and Gittin, but it's the fact that his Talmudim came in. And his Talmidim started telling him about himself. You're the most amazing person in the world. You're our Rebbe. You are the Ner Yisrael. You're the light. You're the shining beacon of Cloud Yisrael. You're the Amai Dayamini. You are Kolatayrakuloi embodiment. You are the Patish Achazak. You're the strong leader the fearless captain of the ship. Imagine if they would say that to us. You're the Reish Kalpane Agayla. Wow. Me. I'm the Reish Kalpane Agayla. 
I'm the Ner Yisrael. I'm the Patish HaChazah. I'm the Amin Ayamini. Rabbi Yechem and Zakai naturally, reflexively, instinctively, had to say, no, I'm not. I don't know where I'm going even. Don't say that about me. A person, whenever he hears too much praise about himself, he has to instinctively begin to say, no. No, that's not me. There's Gehenim, and that Gehenim is going to remind me always to be real, to be true to myself, to understand that I have my faults, I have my own peckle, I have my own package of sins and of deficiencies, of weaknesses, of foibles, of things that I am not proud of. A person has to carry that around with him and remind himself of those things when people are speaking too highly about you. The story told about the Chavitz Chaim. Chavitz Chaim was obviously also, he was the Ner Yisrael, literally. And people used to give him very big praise and the Chavitz Chaim was known to be a tremendous honor. And one time, the Chavitz Chaim was on a train with a Yid. And the Yid said to him, he didn't recognize him. You know, in those days they didn't have, you know, pictures so much and YouTube and whatever. They didn't know G'daylam. They didn't have papers and magazines and whatever. Today everybody knows everybody. Then he bumped into a yid on the train. He says, you know, he says, where are you from, old man? He says, I'm from a little town. Oh, yeah, which town is that? Hey, you don't know it. Tell me, maybe I did hear of it. It's called Robin. It's a town called Robin. Somewhere in Poland. Of course I heard of that town. What do you mean I didn't hear of it? That's where the great Chavetz Chaim lives. Chavetz Chaim, you know, yeah, the whole world knows about the Chavetz Chaim. How can you say it's a small town? He says, do you know the Chavetz Chaim? I'm sure you know of it. Radin is like a one-horse one, one town. You must know the Chavetz Chaim. He's a Tzadik Adar. Tell me about him. Tell me some stories. The Chavetz Chaim said, nah, not such a tzaddik. Not such a tzaddik, Chavetz Chaim. What do you mean he's not so? He wrote the Mishnah. Yeah, he wrote the Mishnah together with the son. Maybe it wasn't, you know. <laughs> says, but Chavetz uh, Chaim, you know, Chavetz Chaim. Everybody talks. He's a tzaddik. He's not such a tzaddik. He's a bluff. It's made up. It's phony baloney. So this person starts screaming at the Chavetz Chaim. It's a chutzpah. You're speaking against the Gavla Adar. Should put you in Cherem. Do you know who you're speaking about? How can you speak so, so nonchalantly about the Chavetz Chaim? And he kept screaming at him, screaming at him. Some version of the story has that he even hits the Chavetz Chaim. And then they, they arrive in the town that the train was going to, let's say Warsaw, and they get out, and this Yid, together with Chavetz Chaim, walks out, and there's like thousands of people, throngs and throngs, thousands of people with banners, welcome Chavetz Chaim. And he's like, 
this guy, you know, on the train, where's the Chavetz Chaim? And they point to him, and oh my gosh, that's the Chavetz Chaim? And he goes running over to the Chavetz Chaim and apologizes, like pleading on his hands and knees. I'm so sorry that I screamed at you. I'm so sorry that I, you know, he says, no. He says, you were right to scream at me. And you were right to hit me. You're right. Mechavetz Chaim used to say after that that I learned an important lesson. The lesson is that not only are you not allowed to say Lashonara about other people, but you're not even allowed to speak Lashonara about yourself. And as true as that is, but we also learn another thing, and that is that the Chavetz Chaim, like Nayach, and the Chavetz Chaim, like Rabbi Yechon and Menzakai, kept that Shvua that was given to them as Atinek B'mei Imai. That afilu kalayilam kulayim l'cha Even if the whole world is telling you, you're a tzadik. Nayach, you're a tzadik coming. Rabbi Yechem and Zakai, Yomad Ayamini, you're the Ne'er Yisrael, you're the Pakish HaChazak, the whole world is saying great things about me. Heyei Be'inecha Kirosha. Don't believe it. Do not believe it for a second. Say, nah. Babamaisis. Not true. Don't believe it. People will always say about you nice things. And that's a good thing. Let everybody else say whatever they want, but don't believe it. And if you believe it, don't believe it too much. That's what's expected of us. Tehibeinecha as long as we feel that we're deficient, as long as we feel we have so much more to do in life, we have such a high mountain to climb, we'll always be real. We'll always be real to ourselves. But if we begin to realize and to think that, you know, everyone's saying nice things about maybe it's not true. It's important a little bit to believe it. You should feel good about yourself, and it's important to... In order to become a Tamil you have to feel good about yourself and you have to see results and you have to know that people recognize that you're getting greater. But keep it in check. There's so much more to do in life, there's so much higher to climb. And Gaiva is the one thing that could really ruin everything. Too much believing that we're too good and we're too accomplished in any field, but the Frat and Tyra means that that's the day that you stop growing. And when you stop growing, you have nothing left to do more. I saw yesterday a beautiful Misa, it just came to my mind, I have to share it with you, that there's a, there's a a, a, a Yerushalmi about Reb Tarfin. Reb Tarfin was, he excelled in the mitzvah of Kibbut Avain. And in fact, the Gemara and the Yerushalmi, the Babli says other great stories about Reb Tarfin, but this, this Yerushalmi says that when his mother was walking in the Chatzar, she was walking in like the courtyard, so Reb Tarfin didn't want her to get cold, maybe her feet, or dirty, so he would literally like crawl underneath her, like behind her, and hold her feet with his hands so that every time that she walked, she was walking on the palm of his hands. Can you imagine? 
And now Reb Tarfin was about to die. And the Rabbanim, the Rabbanim came in to be Mavakar Chayla. And the mother of Reb Tarfin comes to these Rabbanim and pleads with them and says to them, Rabbis, you've got to help my son. He's such a tzaddik, he can't die. And she goes on and describes the sitkas of Kibbut Avaim and how he walks, he like provides me like a, a foot, a palm under my foot. I'm always comfortable wherever I walk. It feels like I'm walking on like on air because of him. He's such a tzaddik in Kibbut Avaim. He has his great schusim. He can't die. He can't die. So the Rabbanim look at Mrs. Tarfin, Tarfin's mother, and says the following. He says, even, they say to her like this, even if your son had done a hundred thousand times, Elif Alofim, a hundred thousand times more than that, Adayin Lahigia Lachatsi Mitzvah Kibbut a million times more than that, he still would not have even touched half of the midst of Kibbut Avain. Is that a nice thing to say to Tarpin's mom? Rip Tarpin's mother is pleading with them, Gavin for him. He has this great schus of Kibbut Avain. He has to live. And they say, listen, you know, like, give me a break. That, you think that's Kibbut Avaim? A million times that, he wouldn't even touch half of the pole of Kibbut Avaim. Is that nice to say? Is that what she needs here at this point? Does she want, they want to take away the one great schuss that Rapapin had in her mind? They want to take that chip off the table? What's going on? How do you understand the Gemara? You know what the Chavitz Chaim says? It says an amazing verse. It says Rapapin had a mission in life. We all have a mission in life. It's our job to try to figure out what that mission is. What's the mitzvah that we have that will define our role in life? Every person has such a mitzvah, the Rambam says, or should make for himself such a mitzvah. Find a mitzvah. If you look in the Rambam, the Pirish and Mishnayis um, and Avis, Every single person has a mitzvah that they could take as their own. If they perfect that mitzvah, that's their ticket to getting into Eilam Haba. Reptarfin's mitzvah clearly was the mitzvah of Kibbut Avain. Many Gemaras that speak about Reptarfin's exceptional sacrifices for his parents and how he exceeded all levels of this mitzvah. So now, says the Chavitz Chaim, if Letzer Tarfin Taka, you know, got a hundred on the test, and he was the perfect person in the midst of Kibbut Avayim, guess what happens to him? It's over. Tarfin's life would come to an end because there's nothing left to accomplish anymore. What the Rabbanim were saying was, not that Chas Shalom, I'm taking that schus away from him, that was sort of like a tefillah to the Rebbeinah Shalom. Reptarfen, his mitzvah is Kibbut Avaim. He still has a long way on his journey. He's got a lot more to accomplish before he dies. He hasn't even reached a half, a quarter, a tenth of the mitzvah that he was destined to perfect. He needs more time. 
He needs more life. It's not over. His job, his mission is not yet accomplished. That's the Chavitz Chaim's brilliance. But that applies to all of us. Each and every one of us has a very long life ahead of us with a lot to accomplish, a lot of Torah to be learned, a lot of chesed to be performed, a lot of love and a lot of caring and a lot of concern to be given to others. If we think in our own minds that we've already attained perfection, then we lose a certain schus to continue our existence. A person always has to be hungry. A person always has to feel that there's so much more I need to do. Rabbi Aaron Cutler was the greatest Lamdin of the Dar. And there was no one that built Tyra like Rabbi Aaron Cutler. But Rabbi Shalom Shadron once said that he was once in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, at a, I think it was at a chasna. And Rabbi Shalom Shadron was standing near him. And the Jordanians started bombing that area, and the Chasta Hall was bombarded. It was under attack. And everybody got under the tables because it was so dangerous, debris was flying. And Rosham Shvadron happened to be right next to Rav Aaron Cutler. And he overheard Rav Aaron Cutler dabbling to the Rabbi Yisrael and saying, you have to save my life. I have so much more Torah to learn. Rav Aaron Cutler had so much more Torah to learn? Rav Aaron Cutler, when he was 15 years old, probably mastered Kalatayakulo. Rav Aaron Cutler, when he was 20 years old, already was, you know, had Talmidim and was publishing Chidushet Tairah. He was known throughout the whole world for his greatness, his guidance and learning. He was the new Rav Kivager, they called him. So I don't know how old he was at the Chasm. Let's say he was 60 years old, 70 years old. He's diving to the bench and I have so much more Tairah to learn. Yes. Because he didn't listen to all those people that were saying that he's Rav Kivager. He didn't listen to all those people that were giving him standing ovation and telling him he's a tzaddik and he's the gadol and he's this. He always looked at himself that I didn't even begin the journey of Tyra. There's so much more to accomplish. Gaiva and listening to other people will just do nothing but allow us to feel that we can just get off the highway and stop where we are. And that's a tragedy. Yes, when people are feeling down, then you should listen to people praising you. And you should know that that I am relevant in this world and I'm great and I have a lot to give to this world. And don't put me down and don't say negative about me because I know that I'm gifted and I'm special and I will show everybody and the Rabbi Nishalem, of course, how, how much I have to contribute. But if people are saying, everybody's giving you so much praise and heaping praise and praise and that. No. It's not true. Don't listen. It's a punishment sometimes for people to hear too much praise because it gets to their head and then they just, they just end the game. Mitzvah Hashem, we should take these lessons to heart. Life is about balance in everything. When we're in school, when we're in college, you know, it's a balance. That's what Land of College for Men is all about. 
figuring out the right balance. How much Torah should I learn every day? How much college work should I do? When you go out to work, same thing. You have to know how much time to dedicate to work and how much time to dedicate to learning. How much time to give to your family, how much time to give to the Rabbi Nishan, how much time to give to yourself. You have to find on the dial that perfect balance. And that's exceptionally true when it comes to this. Shevach versus Gnai. People are putting you down, turn up the Shevach. People are giving you too much Shevach, turn up the Gnai. And if that's able to keep some equilibrium in ourselves, then that's the way we'll be able to go through the journey of our life with a healthy balance, being able to accomplish what we're supposed to and being able to be the human beings and the tzaddikim. Mitzah Hashem that wants us to truly be. Have a good Shabbos.